0: It's
1: faded. That means it's time to talk.
0: You know, I didn't even know we had a song.
1: <laughs> Are you saying you never listened to the finished product of the sister cast before? Never, not even once. Well, that, that, that's uh, interesting, but also par for the course because weren't you on a national Canadian news program? I was. And you also did not watch that. I did not watch it.
0: Hmm. So I'm Zoe. I'm Amanda. And this is the SisterCast. We're sisters. (laughs) And we talk about marketing and writing and life. This is season three of the SisterCast. It is. We've had a long break.
1: A very long break.
0: (laughs) Like a year.
1: And maybe more. At least. But that's the best part about podcasting. There are no rules. No, none. Seasons can start. They can end. They can start up again.
0: They can just be four episodes that are only a marketing podcast. You can just say it's
1: season three. I'm a big podcast fan. Yeah. And so I always think it's really funny when people are like, it's season three of the podcast. And it's like, why?
0: It just keeps going. Like in the list of episodes, it just keeps going.
1: Yeah. I guess maybe podcasts are trying to be like TV shows.
0: Well, I mean, I think that sometimes for each season, there might be a different focus. Sure. Like The Wire, every season was very different.
1: That makes sense. If you have like an arc That connects them all. Like TV shows. I get it. But you know, just like HBO shows and now Netflix shows, that's what's really cool is that TV shows don't have to be exactly 22 minutes. They can be as long as they need to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like Veep, one of my absolute favorite TV shows. Sometimes the episodes are... Actually, no, I think that's an HBO show. That's an HBO show. There's got to be a show that sometimes the episode lengths are different.
0: Netflix shows are definitely different lengths.
1: Yeah. But shout out to Veep because it is still a good show. Oh,
0: it's a great show.
1: I think I've said this before, but did you know that Veep is the most realistic White House show there is on TV? Absolutely, like of all of them. Scandal, especially West the current Wing. White House.
0: Right. <laughs> Maybe season three of the Sister Cast is gonna get political. <laughs> Actually, we've been political before. That's just life. Twenty nineteen is political. Ugh, I know.
1: Makes you want to get rid of Twitter or spend more time on Twitter.
0: Yeah, well, I mean, both in the same day. Both in the same day. Um, Speaking of absolutely nothing, we should probably catch people up on how we have been, what we've been doing.
1: Okay, you go first. You live a much more exciting life than I do.
0: (laughs) Every so often, I have a spurt of activity that does make my life seem very exciting. We just came back from quite a bit of travel. We went to Australia, and I went to New York for the annual conference for Romance Writers of America. And then we did a short little road trip to Ottawa for Romancing the Capital, which is a really awesome reader-author event that happens, well, happened every year for the last five years, although the organizer is now taking a break. So everybody who loved RTC is, I know, Amanda just gave me like the most shocked face because she knows how much I love going to Ottawa for RTC. Uh, but. Hopefully, she'll take a break and then come back in a couple of years bigger and better than ever.
1: And you said you went to New York. I went to New York, yes. And you had not been to New York in how many
0: years? 17 years. Like, the last time oh. I was in, you and I went together in 2002. And, man, the difference, obviously, between 2002 New York, which was a very, you know, somber... um, very emotional experience for us to go and visit New York then um when it was still obviously recovering from 911 um and yeah and and that was the winter right low season time this was the middle of the summer um Time i've i i had i mean i've seen on tv right Times square gets busy i had never actually experienced Times square like that because when we went it was winter
1: what month do you remember when february we went in february okay yeah. because new york is really busy obviously in november and december too yeah. with that whole holiday season yeah so okay
0: yeah it was quite quiet
1: when we were there even though so you went in July yeah yeah so because I hear in New York everyone goes to the Hamptons in August oh I
0: don't think that there were a lot of New Yorkers in New York when I was there there were a lot of people from Wisconsin (laughs) oh right and Florida and California and Mm -hmm. everywhere in between tourists very too I mean that's just Midtown right that's Mm -hmm. Times Square I was there for four days in Times Square at Um, a hotel there the Marriott which is where the conference was and the conference is so intense it's from 7 a.m until like 2 a.m nonstop meetings and workshops and that sort of thing and it ended Saturday at noon my flight out was at 6 a.m on Sunday and I left the hotel Saturday at noon I mean I left my stuff there but I just literally grabbed my purse um went bought a subway ticket and headed south uh to Greenwich Village and then East Village and um just walked around I walked 14 kilometers that afternoon all by myself and there's something about like the quiet being surrounded by millions of people but just the quiet of not having to talk right not even having to listen you can just absorb the sounds of the city it was lovely. Amazing. Absolutely lovely. And I bought myself a pair of boots, which was exciting. When you
1: were in New York, did you go running?
0: No. I don't go running when it's hot. And it was really, really hot. It was, um, it was like 30 degrees, which is, what is that, like 100 for Americans? Yeah. 30 degrees Celsius. Um, really stinking hot. Literally stinking hot.
1: I guess that's why a lot of New Yorkers wake up at like 6 a.m. to go running in the park.
0: Yeah. I mean, I did see some people running in the morning. Absolutely. But not me. I like to run when it's uh, like 20 degrees or... or- or lower, like we went to, well, that's another thing that I did this spring, um, is I, I ran my first half marathon. Yay! Wow,
1: congratulations. And I,
0: you know what? At the time, I thought, I'm going to run a half marathon. That's a bucket list thing. Check it off and be done with it. I didn't particularly love the training um, up for it. But the experience of doing it itself, I went to Nashville for a rock and roll marathon um, which is like that's a, a series of them that happens in cities around the world and it was so well organized and a lot of fun and um, like as I was doing it which was brutally hard and as my the toes on my right foot stopped coordinating with the rest of my foot and I was like kind of clawed hoppering my way down the last mile I thought I'm definitely doing this again <laughs> it's kind of like giving birth you know like it's really hard but the second that you're done you're like when can I do that again so how many miles or kilometers it's 13.1 miles which is like 21 kilometers wow so in your training runs leading up to that what's the most you ever ran I only ran as far as 16 kilometers and um like I think my training plan wanted me to go to 18 but I didn't I don't remember why. I think that the two weeks before, that would have been two weeks before, there was something. I think I did a 10K that week with a friend. And so I split up my kilometers in a different way. But that was fine. You know, maybe I would have been better prepared. But your very first marathon or half marathon, it's a bit of a learning curve anyway and frankly, like the last five kilometers, you're just driven by adrenaline. Right. And um, and now I have like a very reasonable personal best that will be easy to beat because Nashville was so hot. Speaking of not running right. in the heat, I don't like running in the heat. Um, and it was in April. I trained over the winter, a Canadian winter. So I was used to running in like 10, 15 degrees Celsius and we get to Nashville and it's 24 at like 8 a.m. So that was pretty rough. Um, there was a lot, you know, that was kind of n- less than ideal conditions. The, the long start time, like it took an hour for me to even cross the start line, which I wasn't, I had done some research on that, but I kind of that little tiny detail, I thought it'd be more like half an hour. Um, so your feet are actually sore from just standing on the concrete before you even cross the start line. Um, but the, you know, the whole experience was really good. And the the best part is now I have like a new analogy to talk about when I talk about writing, right? I, one of the reasons I went to New York was to do a writing workshop. I delivered a workshop with another writer, Jackie Lau, um, from the Toronto Romance. She's a chapter mate of the Toronto Romance Writers uh, chapter of RWA. And we gave... A workshop there. And I love giving workshops. I, It's kind of one of the best parts about being an author because so much of being a writer is very uh, introverted and insular. I just do my own thing. Anytime I get a chance to talk about writing or publishing, I get all excited. And now I have this frame of reference, this running analogy, training for a marathon is very different than just casually going out for a jog every so often.
1: Are you going to share this analogy with us now? Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay. okay, so you've done the Couch to 5K program. You've done... Have you done a running room? Yep. Right, so there are a <laughs> Not of, for quite some time. There are lots of these um, kind of community runs, right? Where you go and once a week they t- have like a little mini class and then you go out and you do a run together. There's usually one midweek and then there's one on the weekend. So... If you've never run before and you're kind of vaguely interested in it, I would suggest you look it up. You can look up like couch to 5K or um, like a 10K training or even a half marathon training just to kind of get an an idea visual of what I'm talking about. If you have run, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Midweek, you do one run together with a group and it's usually some kind of training run. Like, for example, hill repeats, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, or sprints and then on the weekend usually Sunday morning you do what is called your long run which is a long slow run and it's the longest distance that you'll run in one chunk over the week and then the next day like Monday night or maybe Tuesday you would do a short recovery run and those are your three runs in the week a recovery run some sort of skills repeat and a long run And I thought, you know what, that is so apt for writing, for publishing, because we often write and publish exactly the same thing, right? We rarely challenge ourselves. We, like the analogy for doing hill repeats would be doing some sort of serial um, publication, either for a magazine, or your blog, or your newsletter, right? Something short, something that you just dash out um, your best effort in a concentrated form, right? And you don't really worry too much about form or being able to sustain it. Flash fiction is another form of this kind of writing. Um, Of course, the long, slow run, that's a novel. And there are lots of people who might be listening to this who they have built a, a business platform on serials or novellas or um, short fiction for Kindle Unlimited, and they kind of want to get to the next level, but they don't know how to do that. That's your novel. A novel is the most sustainable, long-term, commercially viable publication that you're going to put out there. And then your recovery run, your recovery run, your recovery publication, that's the thing that your fans love. That's, that, that's what you are always publishing, Right. So you kind of wanna think about having a mix of those three outputs in your stable. And if you don't, think about what would maybe change to your business model if you did vary it up a little bit. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kind of, yeah, you're like, I don't know. I think the key is always challenging yourself. Always challenging yourself. And But the only way to challenge yourself is to shift gears, right? I guess that's the, the quicker analogy. For example, if you wanna be a faster runner, One way to do that is to be a slower runner, right? You need to slow down. I'm, I sometimes listen to the, um, the Nike run app, they have some really good guided runs and one of the guided runs starts you at the slowest pace you think you will be at for that run and you know what that does that means that you finish the run faster than you have ever finished a run before it's a really amazing experience that particular one um so like there's a lot of learning that you can do about yourself just by shifting gears and switching it up and switching it up. if you always drive the same road to work
1: switch it up
0: yeah you might find that the other route is faster or more scenic
1: or both or you'll discover a new restaurant on the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that was there. Oh, that's happening. Or, you know, you're using a different fork in your hand or, you know, mm-hmm. just mm-hmm. trying to switch up some of your routine. Yep. Not all the time because yep. there is comfort in yep. in what we do. So
0: And also there's something about coming back to what you're really good at to give you a little ego boost. For sure right right how about you what have you been up to what do people need to know about the other half of the sister
1: cast so i now have uh, my little baby when we first started this is two and a half yeah one year till she goes to school yeah what we were thinking about that uh, this summer as a lot of people are getting ready to send their kids to school so we've got one more year till she's in school we finally weaned her she's Mm -hmm. no longer nursing so these are milestones such a big milestone (laughs) and on a work front um we I got a few more radio stations in my portfolio so uh, where I live in southwestern Ontario for the last six years I've been focused on one station we now have three which is really exciting for me that's making me step outside of my comfort zone I've been used to looking after one station uh-huh. and now there's three stations which and they all are very different we get a country um, a rock classic rock and then more adult contemporary so I'm really excited Enjoying that, um, and that's kept me really busy, and also switching things up. Right. Yep. So for years and years, always focused on one type of music, which gave me opportunities where I got to meet Corey Hart.
0: Oh my gosh!
1: <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Can you name a Corey Hart song?
0: No. I can I name any song? This know, is not my strength. I can't name any. You is can't.
1: It, you can't name a Corey Hart. Glasses at night.
0: There you, there you go. go. Okay. See. Yeah. It's
1: actually a really sweet story. If you. Uh, I don't think a lot of people know this story, but Corey Hart, for the last 16 years, hasn't really been in the spotlight, hasn't been touring. His songs have been on the radio. Mm -hmm. He's been raising his children.
0: Oh, Well, that's something we can all relate to. Right?
1: So he... Um, met his wife on the Juno stage. The Junos are our Canadian Grammys. So it was about 20 years ago, he was presenting an award. He was asked to present an award for Songwriter of the Year. And he said, well, I'm happy to do it, but I really should be up there with a songwriter. So they found a songwriter from Montreal, put her on stage with him. That ended up being his wife. They met there. Her name's Julie. Yeah. And they had four kids And I think it was after his first or second was born that he said, you know what, I want to like... He wants to be present. So he's been present in their lives. His youngest is, I think, now 16. And so he decided that he would go out on tour. Yeah. And so he went on a 20-date Canadian tour. And
0: I know a lot of people that went to those concerts. It
1: was so good. Because he walked away at the top of his game, Mm -hmm. or somewhat top of his game, um, and walked away. Yeah. and has not been touring because a lot of people uh, who have had songs in the 80s could be on the casino circuit right right like y- you can't turn around in canada and see loverboy or trooper or kim mitchell like Every yeah. two weeks, they're playing somewhere. If you want to see them, you can. And they're fantastic. And you go, but it kind of loses the appeal. You, we haven't seen Corey Hart perform right. in 35 years. Yeah. I went. What a show it was. Yeah. Um, it was just so much fun. And then, yes, yeah, so we got to meet Corey Hart uh, beforehand. And he's just so sweet. Yeah.
0: So, anyway. Well, I mean, literally, I think that anybody who takes... Yeah, a couple decades off to spend time with their family is probably a pretty good person. And
1: obviously, he had the money to do yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. Um, all those royalty checks keep rolling in for his songs, and but- that's
0: presumably his wife was writing songs exactly yeah
1: and so then when he went on a tour she was one of his backup singers so oh, they're just like you know it's so nice that's to a nice see, story right them in love especially yeah. when we hear the news that miley cyrus has broken up with her husband of one year or six months or whatever Yeah, but
0: they've been to they were together on for again a off very again. long time i mean the on again off again i was not surprised they and broke
1: off up again again so
0: off again yeah
1: i can't believe we're just compared miley cyrus but and uh
0: speaking of travel whoever, and Miley Cyrus, this is such a random thing for me to notice, but when they broke up, they both went to places. I literally,
1: oh really? Was just
0: Yeah, She went to Italy, and he went to Australia. Right. Not just anywhere in Australia, but Byron Bay. Oh,
1: hilarious! Because
0: his brother Chris lives there, and I was just there. Right. Not hanging out with any Hemsworth. How big is Byron Bay? Um, it's pretty small. Like, it's a small town. Like ten thousand people. Yeah, maybe.
1: And no part of you when you went there thought maybe I'll go look for Chris Hemsworth?
0: Well, I don't think he lives in town. Right. It's a long stretch of the coast and it's very small towny and then rural estates outside of it. I'm assuming he lives there, probably actually has a slice of the coast to himself. And frankly, I was too busy chasing my kids on the beach. Um, So anyway, one of the things that I wanted to loop back to on this podcast and this whole season in general, um, was the marketing stuff, right? Because you had talked about, you had a big marketing kind of like something that really worked on you this week. Oh, right, right. <laughs> I don't know I would say what it's like a big
1: marketing thing, a little marketing, a thing? little
0: marketing thing.
1: I thought that th- throughout this podcast, if we, um, have marketing that happens to us personally, I thought it would be cool to share, Mm -hmm. Um, especially as we start to navigate all the big data and like how we are getting, how we're getting marketing messages pushed to us in all sorts of ways. Yeah. Um, So this week uh, in my Facebook feed, I popped up Thursday, um, an ad for a local plus size clothing store, Pennington's, which... Um, I went to a couple years ago and it's, I knew where it was. And then I was in that exact plaza a week and a half ago and I didn't see it in the plaza. And I was like, oh, that's weird. They must've moved. It's a plaza that kind of is reinventing itself in retail, very challenging space that businesses are coming and going. Uh So I thought, huh, must've moved. All right. Well, whatever. And then that night I was on Facebook and I saw a big ad that said Pennington's, this location, having a tent sale, an additional 30% off everything that's clearance. And I was like, oh, I could go get some career wear. Um, I was like, I really thought it had moved. No, it was just on the other side of the plaza that had always been there. But in my head, I was convinced it was on the one side of the plaza. So this ad... Worked because I then said, I'm going there. So I went on my lunch break the next day because I was like, Oh, tent
0: sale, 30% off. Yeah. I thought it had moved. I meant to go stock up on stuff anyway. I love those limited time action, call to action pieces, right? You know that you've got to get there immediately and you go and you seek it out. FOMO. Yeah. Right. Fear of missing out.
1: So I don't know if they had targeted me because they knew that I was plus size based on everything I post or if they had dropped a little cookie on me because I was in the (gasps) plaza. Do you
0: think? Oh, Oh, it's a thing. Proximity. That's interesting. It's a
1: thing. Geofencing, geolocation. Yeah. Oh, it's, I don't know if you've noticed when you've jumped onto websites now, big things that pop up say this website uses cookies. FYI. They now have to disclose all of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Hey, do you remember, this is a, Another segue to a random thing. Um, do you remember a couple of seasons ago on this podcast, ages ago, I told you about a coffee shop that didn't have a sign? Yeah. Okay. So the, you, you saying that you had misremembered where it was in the plaza reminded me of that story. And then something that happened in New York. So um, I went and met my friend Jackie Lau, who I did the presentation with, at the end of my whole wandering around New York City by myself, I met her down in Chinatown. We wanted to try mochi donuts. Do you remember mochi when you came to visit me in Japan? So mochi's are rice balls or sweet oh, rice yes, ball yes, desserts. Yes, yeah. Okay. So there's a place in New York that sells mochi donuts. Okay. And it's a cross between a mochi and a donut. It looks like a donut, it's round, it's got a hole in the middle, but instead of being like a cake flour, it's a sticky, stretchy rice ball flour. Really, really delicious. Anyway, so Jackie and I met there, and then she said, there's a bar around the corner from here that I want to go to. It's called Mr. Fong's, and she has a character. She has a family in her one of her series, The Fong's, so she wanted to go to the Mr. Fong's bar to take a picture with the sign, and then, of course, we would go in and have a drink. We get to the address, and there's no sign. It's just like that hipster coffee shop that I talked about however many episodes ago. Literally no sign. And she's like, I think we just, maybe we should just try the door. And we pull the door open. And it's just like, there are no windows. Well, there are windows, but they're like covered up with vinyl decals. Um, and the door is this big, gothic, heavy wooden door. And you pull it open and inside is the most perfect hipster bar. And that has to go in a book. It's going to go in her books. It's going to go in my books. (laughs) It was such a unique New York experience. Like, do you remember Stefan on SNL? Yes, yeah, yeah. It was like Stefan would talk about going to the Mr. Fong's bar that is so cool because it doesn't even have a sign. So had it been around for a while? I think it had been around for a while, yeah. She had found it on a list of, like, Chinatown's, you know, best kept secrets. Literally.
1: (laughs) that's funny yeah all right so yeah this season of the sister cask we're going to delve into marketing Mm -hmm.
0: and apparently if you are in new york city you can get away with the no sign thing whereas it doesn't (laughs) quite work in london ontario yet
1: (laughs) no hey wolf of wortley has shut down the new thing didn't work out the new the new menu where they put just carrots on a plate and call it carrot
0: cake no they are opening a new pizza place next door didn't that happen We'll have to, we will look into that and we'll talk about it on the next episode. Stay tuned for the mystery. (laughs) What a tease. What a tease.